Redeemer is faithful and true. Once again, our Redeemer is faithful and true. Redeemer is faithful and true. Praise the Lord. How many can say amen to that tonight? Praise the Lord. What a wonderful privilege it is to be able to be gathered together again tonight in the house of the Lord. Let's turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Faithful and true. What wonderful attributes to have. Our Lord Jesus is truly faithful and true. We've not been so much, really. We say we want to be and we try to be and we fail in spite of everything that we set forth by our mouth and carrying it out sometimes is a whole lot easier, isn't it? But we thank God that we have a faithful and true Savior and high priest and redeemer who understands everything that we go through. Oh, we so appreciate him tonight. Let's read a little bit about him here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse, verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I declare my name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, while I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again, Behold, I and the children which God has given me. That's just about more than my mind can comprehend. That this mighty one, the Lord Jesus, would stand and identify himself in the church and say, I will sing in the church. And I and the children which God has given me. You've got to be kidding me. This mighty one who is exalted so high, but he would stand on the plain with us and elevate us to that place and not say, well, I'm up here and they're down there, but I and the children, as saying that we are one group, I and the children, which God has given unto me. I'd love to be remembered tonight as we pray. I certainly would. I appreciate you praying for me. I've been dealing with this kidney stone. I've been doing a lot better the last couple of days. Thank God for morphine. Percocet, oxycodone, all that sort of thing. I'll tell you one thing. If you ain't never had one, you'll thank God too. I tried to buy a gallon of it just in case you need it. But I appreciate you praying for me. The pain's been much better. having haven't had already any pain at all in the last couple of days. But I still haven't passed it either, so. Just remember me in prayer, if you would. I hate to even ask you to pray for me. There's so many great needs of so many people, but 
if you run out of anything else to pray for. We have uh, several people in our church, of course, that are in real, real desperate needs. And um, have a prayer call I'm going to preach with tonight, Brother Burt Gravely's son, Brother Burt from up in West Virginia, real serious heart situation. And doctors are pretty much telling him he's going to have to wind up having a heart transplant. Not Brother Burt, but Brother Burt's son. So we certainly want to remember them as well. If you have a need, a request in your heart tonight just by raising your hand to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful that truly we have a high priest which can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. We're in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Lord Jesus, we bring our needs and our requests before you. Father, this, this request of this prayer call, Lord, that I'm going to preach with tonight, Father, Brother Burt Gravely's son, and you see, Lord, what the doctors have told him and his heart so bad that basically the way they're looking at it, he's just going to have to have another heart. I pray, God, for your mercy to him, Lord, that you would just help him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we know you're the one who made the heart. We pray, God, that you would just intervene. Lord, Brother Eugene Kennedy having to go to the hospital today and the doctors thinking that he might have had a heart attack as well. God, we pray for our brother that you'd be with him. Lord, just getting word a few minutes ago of, of our sister out in Phoenix, Brother Ron Peterson's church that just passed sometime this evening. We pray, Lord, that you would just be with her family and help them, Father God. Lord, so many great needs are among us, different ones taking treatment, Lord, for cancers and different sicknesses and things that are about. Father, you see our, our nation is still struggling with this, uh, this infectious disease in the world. And now, Lord, we have all this rioting and things that are going on. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Every day this place proves it's, it's more unfit for us not to be here. May we be ready, Lord, at every hour, oh, Father God, that we can leave. Lord, if there's any whose names are on that book that aren't in yet, our children, our grandchildren, whoever they are, Father, bring them in so we can go home, Lord. Grant it, we pray. We believe you, Father, that you love us and that you're concerned about us. And, Lord, you want to minister to our needs as long as we're here. So we pray that you'd enlighten us tonight as we look into your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Certainly nice to see all of you here again tonight in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> Let's look here again, if you would, at um, chapter 2, verse 17. Remember what we're looking at is the Logos himself becoming a man, not only a man, but a sinner, and he became that in order to redeem us from the state of sin that we were in. God has a, a perfect divine order by which his program works. And that is that God allowed himself to be emptied out and become a human being that could feel like we feel and understand by experience, not just by omnipotence. Now, that, that he could have understood everything, but he wanted to go beyond the ability of omnipotence and omnipresence and omnipotence to be able to relate in a human way. 
The more I look at this, the more I realize how important a human body actually was to God. God never had a permanent human body, but He wanted one. And He didn't just want one for 33 years, but He actually wanted one from that time on. But there's so many purposes that He interwoven in His program to bring His Word on the earth and let it be called a man. Now, Paul picks it up again in verse 17 of chapter 2 and says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Now, we know that we say it and we mean it and we know there's a truth to it that we want to be like Jesus. And that is true. But Jesus also wanted to be like you. Now, in order to fully redeem us, to make us to be like Him, He had to become like us first, or we would never be made like Him. So it, it behooved Him, or became Him, or it was fitting of Him to be made like unto His brethren. Now, I pointed out again to you that they were already His brethren by election, before the cross. They were his brethren before he ever shed his blood. Now I know that this blows away nearly every denominational concept of salvation, but thank God to us, it doesn't blow us away. It's going to carry us out of here one of these days. But really looking at the concept of God, which is the Logos of God, in the way that God looks at it himself, it was that the Word must become a man, and then the Word would become a priest. Then the Word would become incarnate in the church ages. Now remember that God has the ability to separate Himself in His attributes. We, can't, we cannot do that. To separate my spirit from my body, I would go insane. To separate my soul from my body, I would die. To separate my imagination, my memory. Now we know what happens whenever people get old and they begin to lose their memory. You know, things. many of them can remember things way, way back. But things that happened yesterday or five minutes ago, they cannot remember to save their life. And it's so sad to see them in that state. Yep, they have the same hands, the same eyes, same hair color, same eye color, same name, live in the same address, but a part of them is no longer there. And it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. As we see dementia Alzheimer's and all these different things that affects the human memory and how they look right at someone they've been married to for 50 or 60 years. They don't even have a clue who they are. And it's so sad, but a part of who they are has now left this body, and it's no longer there. So what happens to us when part of our attributes begin to leave, we fall apart, and we're no longer who we were. 
But God, being eternal, has all these attributes of Father and Son and Savior and Redeemer and Holy Ghost, and He can be able to project an attribute out of His own being, and it does not make Him less God than He was and all those attributes were in Him. So he can project this attribute in this season, this one in this season, this one in this season, and then gather them all back to him in eternity. And he's no greater at the end than he was in the middle, or no greater at the middle than he was at the beginning. Because he's the eternal and could express this attribute called the word. As John frames it and he says that there are three that bear record in the heaven. The Father... The Word, which is the Logos, and the Holy Ghost. wonder why he didn't say Son. He did say Son. Because the Son was the Word or the Logos. So the Logos must become a man in order to die. Then after his resurrection, the Logos will become a priest. Not only a priest, but a great high priest. And then if he is a high priest... He's ministering in two aspects, glorified humanity, but also Logos. So he's ministering to children who are born of the Word, but yet left in human temples. Notice Paul says that, that he might be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful, as we were just singing about, merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Now remember, he's not just a priest at the bottom of the rung of the ladder of the Levites. And there was several order of priests, of course. But there was the regular priesthood which a Levite could enter into. And then there were the Kohathites. There were the different ones, and they carried the tent, the tabernacle. But then there was only one high priest. There was many, many Levites and many priests. But there was only one high priest. And the Lord Jesus, of course was the high priest of a better covenant a high priest of greater things but he was not only a high priest but a great or an extreme excellent high priest so he entered into an order which was actually the order of Melchizedek notice he said that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now this is the key here in verse 18, which was his personal kenosis. In that he himself hath suffered being tempted. He is able to succor or retrieve or give reprieve or help them that are tempted. Now as a man, I know it's hard for us to comprehend, but it was deity inside of this body which was God living inside of a human being. And yet God in spirit could not feel temptation. But God allowed himself to, the, to relate to the feelings of the human body. He does you and I the same way. Now remember, he does not eliminate temptation or eliminate trouble or eliminate sickness, pain in our body. But he simply says, I understand how you feel. Now when he chooses, he heals us 
and delivers us. But there's other times that he chooses to let us go on through this and suffer for a while. Oh, how confusing that is in the minds of many people. Let's pick this up again, the one we read on Sunday. How was it God's blood? God has no blood. How could it be? Because it was God's created blood that he created in order to redeem us. And he came and lived in that same body that he created. Therefore, God had to suffer temptation. He could not suffer temptation, but he had to suffer sexual temptation. He had to suffer all kinds of temptation. To be tempted by the devil in riches and powers and dominions and so forth. He had to suffer all of that in order to do it. He couldn't be as God in spirit. He had to be God in flesh. But now it was not as the heathens believed that their God become incarnate. It was a different type of transferal of the deity of God. Now, for many of the, even in India, my trip, one of the last ones that I made there many years ago, we were greeted by many, many hundreds of so-called message people. And they had big long banners that they had made uh, for these meetings. And they met us on the outside with these long banners. And they were written on there in their language and also in English that Brother Branham was God. And that Joseph Branham also was deity. Well, from them being Hindu and many of them previously being Hindu and having uh, all the gods that they had, they have no problem in believing that their god can be incarnated in a monkey, a baboon, a cow, whatever more I saw them with my own eyes, monkeys on the streets, cattle on the streets. A true Hindu does not eat meat because they believe they might be eating their grandpa or their aunt or their uncle. So you live in this life, if you don't do pretty good, then you become reincarnated. According to how you live, if you live a pretty bad life, you may start down at the bottom and you may be an ant. And then you'll live your life as an ant. Then you'll be a grasshopper. Then you'll be something else. You keep on coming higher and higher and higher. So, you know, for them to believe their God can become incarnate in a man, they have no problem in making William Branham absolutely deity. But we don't want error when we go to explain this. We want truth, do we not? So we do not believe then our God actually was the personification or the embodiment that the flesh itself was God. Now, to be probably surprising to you how many message people still believe that. They still believe that the flesh was God. Although the prophet tells us over and over again, it was not God. It was God in the body. And he had to do that in order to produce this great mystery. But the body itself had to be allowed to suffer temptation and sickness and trouble and heartache. And God would get inside the body and press so close to the feelings of humanity that God could actually in spirit feel how that would feel. Now he couldn't do it in Moses and any other man because God could not allow himself to get that close in another human being because of sin. 
But this body was a special creation. So the deity of God could allow the complete attribute of the fullness of God. You see this attribute of the fullness of God is one of the attributes which comes out of the eternal. You know, whenever Moses saw him on the mountain and he saw this great presence of God, which absolutely was not necessarily the fullness of God, but a mere representation, what the children of Israel saw in the Old Testament called the Shekinah, it was something that represented him. It was not actually him. Jesus said, no man has seen God at any time. But it was one of the attributes that God chose to be able to allow man to relate to it. And man would say, well, we saw God. Well, they did, but they didn't. They never saw that fullness of the attribute. But this special creation, the Lord Jesus, was so perfect and so complete. It was the only man that ever lived on the earth that this attribute could come straight from the eternal right into this human body and press itself so close to the human feeling of the spirit and the flesh. It could so embody itself, it would be as if though it was God himself in the fullness in a body. Moses' sin would not allow him to do that. David's humanity will not allow him to do it. And believe it or not, he doesn't feel quite that same way in you and I. Because we have a little portion. Amen? Jesus had the entire ocean. We've got a spoonful. But noticing God had to feel this not only in the office of sonship, but God wanted to feel it in the realm of spirit. Now watch again, Brother Random in Hebrews. He said, man always feared death, and Christ became sin, made low to take death upon himself. And he's not ashamed to be called our brother. Now, let me make sure that you understand this. One of my daughters mentioned this to me on Sunday. She said, Daddy, I have no problem understanding that we're, we're the bride. And I have no problem understanding that he's our Savior. But when you said that about him being our brother, she said, I, I just didn't understand. I said, well, honey, it's just simply mixing and merging together two types. That's all it is. Abraham married his half-sister. She said, okay, well, that's the scripture. So whenever we talk about him being our God, our Savior, our King, our Redeemer, our husband, it is all these attributes of him. But when we go to looking at this one, I know this one seems a little hard for folks to grasp, that the great mighty God would want to become kindred, so much kindred that he would become one of us as our Goel. Now, in doing that, he would be a brother in that he would experience all of the variations of humanity in the feelings of pain and sorrow and difficulty, temptation and struggles and all of that. But he also would identify himself that he had come from the eternal. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when the Logos came out of the eternal, that great living attribute of God, which was going to be expressed in a body, then whenever he came out, you don't remember that, I don't either, but of course, we were with him. We were part of that word. That's why Brother Branham would say when Jesus died there at Calvary, we died with him. And whenever he raised from the dead, we got up with him. 
Now, we did not get up in our body no more than we died in our body, but we died by representation because in Him was every attribute of a human being that would be expressed in time. Luther was in Jesus when He died. Wesley was in him. Amen. Brother Branham was in him. That's right. All the saints of God from the cross on down were in him and we raised in him. And the prophet goes on to saying, God of this evil age, he said, somehow God made me pay for my sins in that body then. That's right. By how? By representation. You say, how could that be? How could it be that one man represented all of us in the Garden of Eden? When that one man fell, we all fell. Y'all believe that? Why didn't God give you your own right to choose? He does now. Now is your right. But that one head of the human race represented the entire human race. So what's God doing? He's getting a new head to bring in a new race. So if God gets that new head, he exalts that new head to this heavenly position, then everybody that comes in to that new race will follow exactly in line with divine protocol. Now, God had to do it this way. Now, remember, it was more than just him giving his blood. He had more in mind than just living a life, a sanctified, clean life, and living up to 33 and a half or 30 years old. And then he would give his life and the blood would be shed. But there's more to it than that. He wanted to be able to represent that human beings on the earth could live lives that would be so surrendered to God that deity would be inside of their body and their bodies would still be sick and be, uh, you know, broke down and they would be feeble and they would feel stress and all kinds of anxiety and all kinds of things like that. And yet deity would live inside of their soul. Is that right? So how many can say tonight, he is your brother? For he was tempted like we are tempted, and he can be the right kind of an intercessor because he stood the same kind. Now notice how Brother Random is identifying that he is our brother. He is our brother in temptation. He is our brother in weakness. Or let me say it this way. He was our brother in weakness. He was crucified, not in power, but in weakness. He was our brother in being a human. Now, will we ever be in the sense of co-equal with him in power? No. We will never have the power he had. I don't know anybody in the right mind that wants it anyway. But we will be rulers with him, but in our position according to the predestination of God. But standing being out of the family of God, amen. Will we be there as sons and daughters of God? We will be. But will we be co-equal in the sense, well, whatever Jesus does, I do. And Jesus will be worshiped, so I'll be worshiped. Absolutely not. No way. But we do believe that we stand there before God as his word as Jesus was. Now, notice this. He said, he took your place knowing that you couldn't take it yourself. Christ became sin that you might become righteous. And he's the right kind of a chief captain for our salvation because he suffered just like we suffered. He's been tempted just like we're tempted. And he's not ashamed to be called our brother. 
because he knows what we go through with. Oh, blessed be his name. For he verily took not on him the form of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Now, I love the way Brother Abraham says this. How can I overcome? Look, temptation was for him. You know that? The Bible said he was tempted in all points, yet as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted by drinking. Now, let me say, the Lord Jesus never suffered this for me. I've never drank before. I've never, the best of my memory, I've never been tempted to even drink. I've seen what it does to people. So I hate it. And I hate the effects of it. So me personally, I cannot say at this time that I ever recall ever being tempted to go get drunk. Now, you know, some others might say, oh my goodness, well, Brother Donnie, you don't know what it's like. You're right, I don't. I don't know what it feels like. Now, for some of you that maybe drank whenever you were in the world and you were lost, and you remember how that made you feel, and you remember what it did for you, and it did something for you, or you wouldn't have done it. Ultimately, it was going to kill you in the long run, but you wasn't really looking at that. You was looking for what it done you right now, right? You was looking for, uh, you know, the temporary relief that it brought you, and however it made you feel, and, and all that sort of thing, whatever that was. As I said, I, I can't relate to it because I don't know. So some of you then, maybe after God delivered you from drinking and you would get around and you would smell it and maybe going into an auto parts store or maybe somebody you'd work with going into Walmart and you smell that on somebody's breath or going by nearly any 7-Eleven or any place you stop and get gas. It's anywhere anymore. And you go right there just like Coke, Mountain Dew, and whatever more. And you might go by there and be tempted. And in your mind, you go right by the same brand that you used to drink. And that would really bother you. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I am so glad the Lord Jesus suffered that for those of you who needed a high priest that would help you with that temptation. I'm glad that he did not use me as an example, or maybe others of you sitting here tonight, and there's probably others of you that never drank in your life, and you could honestly say too, well, I don't think I've ever been tempted to drink either. Well, aren't you glad the Lord Jesus did not use you as the example? Then that would leave many of our brothers and sisters who were formerly drunks and who had drank and know what that can do for them, and then that would leave them totally out of the era of a high priest which can understand. Praise the Lord. Now in our mind we say well why in the world would a Christian be tempted by that? Well see apparently it's never bothered you as it's never bothered me and it'd be easy for us to judge them and say well I'll tell you one thing I don't think they're much of a Christian. Well you want to tell me what bothers you? You want me to tell you, want me to tell you what bothers me? And you say, oh, that's foolish, that's stupid. It may be stupid to you. It's very real to me. 
And you may tell me what bothers you, and I'd say, I wish that was my temptation. I was out in my trouble. But you see, that's really, that, that, that's not the way the Lord Jesus looks at the way we are. He wanted to cover every aspect of temptation, knowing that some of his children would be drunk, some of them would, would smoke marijuana, some of them would be harlots, some of them would be in all kinds of horrific things. And he knew that even after they got converted, that Satan would try to bring the memories of those things into their mind. And once they would become saved and even filled with the Holy Ghost, that Satan would try to oppress them and get them under stress and get them under pressure and get them to thinking about what they used to do and how they used to feel. Come on, saints. And the Lord Jesus wanted to experience this. Now think how lovely this is that he wanted to experience this in time in a body which was human. But that really wouldn't do any good. Now listen again, listen carefully so you won't misunderstand me. If, if he only experienced that in time and did not take the knowledge of that with him back to heaven. Now think of it. He did not just suffer this while he was on earth, but he must also carry this knowledge with him back into heaven that when his children are tempted either by lust or lying or whatever more, pornography or, you know, drinking or whatever it is that they go through, that as a high priest in an eternal body, which has been glorified for eternity, he is still so much man that when you can go to him and say, Lord, please help me, I'm tempted with drinking. Oh God, I don't want to fall to this. Lord Jesus, please help me. How could the holy high priest of God ever relate and let human prayers come up through his blood and relate to the subject of drinking in heaven? or relate to the subject of marijuana, or the, uh, the, the subject of prescription drug addiction, or whatever it would be, you mean our high priest would allow those things to still penetrate up into the heavens, and he can still be touched by the feelings of our infirmities? Is he faithful and true? Now think about it, if he only experienced that as a man when he was here, and then when he left and became and entered into a glorified body, and entered into heaven before the presence of the eternal, and then when we would bring our petition and our request of whatever we're going through, and said, how dare you? How dare you? You mean you would mention that to me in heaven? You would mention to me that you are tempted by a woman that's not your wife? You mean you would dare bring that before my throne? You would dare mention to me, you would mention the word beer? You would mention the word alcohol and that word would come up before my throne in heaven? Praise God for his mercy. Friends, I don't think we know how much he loves us. I still don't think we know how much he loves us and how great he is.
Can you imagine he's been there for 2,000 years in this great mediatorial position? How many prayers has he heard about alcohol? And how many mothers has took and, and emptied out her petition before God about an alcoholic son or an alcoholic daughter or a drug addict son or a drug addict husband or whatever more? And the Lord Jesus still in a glorified body, but so much a human. Hallelujah. So much a human. He still, he still is so much a human that he can relate to our earthly prayers, our earthly petition, our earthly feelings when we get down. Now the Lord Jesus, of course, cannot be depressed. The Lord Jesus cannot be tempted. The Lord Jesus cannot be sick. But his human memory of that existence on the earth is so identified with him in heaven can't you understand that even though he is glorified and entered into the presence of God he is still so much a human that he can relate to your prayer though it is filled with human anxiety and human stress and human depression and all types of things that we feel and that because it comes up through the heavens and the paradise of God all of the humanity is not washed away from our prayer and all of the feeling is not washed away but it comes right up and moves upon the heart of our high priest hallelujah and he's able to take our petition before the throne of the great eternal amen Hallelujah. It is not so theophanic washed or angelic washed that by the time it gets there to him, all the humanity is laid aside and the suffering is laid aside. Oh no, we still have a high priest that still has an element of his humanity. But what is it? Glorified humanity. Oh, glory to God. Oh my, every time I quote this quote or read it, whether here y'all, doesn't bother y'all as much because I've, I've read it to you so much over the years, but overseas and out in different churches where I've been in the message, and when you uh, refer to this, either quoting it or by reading it, you can just watch people as the look goes over their face, you know. Jesus tempted by drinking. He was tempted by women. Now how is that possible? Because Jesus had human desire. I'm fixing to blow some of y'all plumb out of the pew. Jesus had sexual desire. Jesus had hunger. Jesus had thirst. Jesus longed for friendship, fellowship. If he did not friend, we're serving an actor. If he did not feel this, we are serving an actor which come to the earth and put on a big act and really he cannot relate. So how do you know he even hears your prayers? He's not an actor. Notice this, the prophet said he was tempted by drinking, he was tempted by women, he was tempted by everything we could be tempted by, he was tempted by everything that we are, he was a man, and yet you couldn't put a mark on him. Praise God. Now he was tempted by drinking, but he never done it. Tempted by women, but never done it. Tempted by wrong, but never did wrong. 
Now this is the key. How that God can take the head of the new race. Amen. And be able to make one that is perfect. Even though he felt it, he never did it. But the, the choice was placed right at him. And he felt it, but he had the power and the ability. And remember, he did not overcome with that attribute of the fullness of God. Amen. But he overcome by the word. He never used his gifts. He never used his great deity powers. But he used it as a Holy Ghost living inside a human being. I love the way Brother Brennan brings this together in 1959 in this message called A Total Deliverance. Jesus was completely, totally man. He could cry like a man. He could eat like a man. He could become like a man. He was completely, totally man in his physical being. In his spirit, he was completely, totally God. So he made his flesh submissive to the spirit that was in him. This is the key. This is the head of the new race. This is what the entire purpose of God is leading up to the cross. Now this was done before he ever died. This was done before he ever gave his blood as an atonement to be able to expiate our sins. He's fulfilling the will of God before he ever goes to the cross. The cross is not the only thing that he done. He's living this life to be able to show us years and years later what children of God can do and will do by the Spirit of God in them, the Holy Ghost inside of them will help them bring their flesh in submission to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Notice, so he made his flesh submissive to the spirit that was in him. You see, he was tempted in all manners like we are. He was man, not an angel. He was man. He had desires and temptations just like we do. This is why the prophet said he could have been married. Jesus could have had a wife. Jesus could have had family relations with that wife. And Jesus could have fathered children. And they wouldn't have had eternal life when they were born. Hallelujah, but some of y'all couldn't handle the married Savior. Some of y'all couldn't handle the married Redeemer. No, you couldn't. It stumbled you. Some of you stumbled you just me saying it. Because you got tradition in there and you're trying to pull this through your tradition. Let go of your tradition and let the Word set you free. So he had the ability as being a man, he could father children, he could do all that because he was completely, totally man. Now, notice this as, as the prophet goes on with that. He said, just like we do, the Bible said he was a man, not an angel above temptation. Hebrews 1, and he said, Hebrews 1 and 4 said he was made lower than the angels. He was man, completely man, that God took a complete man to bring total deliverance. Amen. That's the only way to do it. God could not have taken an angel and bring complete deliverance to a man. God could not took a God that was more God than he was man and brought deliverance to a man. But God could take a man which was totally man in his body and totally God in his spirit and be able to bring complete deliverance. Then what would that bring that new generation to be? They would be God in their new birth and man in their body. Praise be to God. Woo, hallelujah. 
He filled him with his spirit, the Holy Ghost, that was in him without measure. He was tempted like we are. He was completely God. He proved it when he raised the dead. When he stopped nature, the roaring seas and the mighty winds, when he spoke to the trees and so forth, they obeyed him. He was God, but where? Inside. And he could have been man. He was man. But he totally and completely delivered himself as a man into the hands of God for the service of God. He is our example. Notice this again now. Let's change directions here for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Paul said, seeing then that we have, now watch how he brings him into a higher sphere than just a regular priest, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, or the Word of God. Let us hold fast our profession. So this great high priest is none other than the Logos. Amen. The, the high priest, the priest, the high priest, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, John 1.14, is all the same person. The second attribute of God. Now he was to become what we know as Jesus the man. So even Philo the Jew, which wrote back in the first century, called the Logos the high priest of God. Now this is what interceded in Moses. This is what interceded in Abraham. This is what interceded. It was a prelude of Christ, the Logos of God. But it was identified now between the Old and the New Testament, the breaking of the New Testament, as Jesus, the Son of God. So here is the human name of deity, Jesus, the Son of God, the human name linked with deity. Notice in verse 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But how is that so since he lives in a glorified body? How is that so since everything in heaven, nobody in heaven is sick? I thought everything in heaven was peace and happiness and joy and, and all that. Well, it is. But he is so much God, he can be in that realm of eternal peace and joy, but he still maintains the human identity, human body glorified. And when he hears about headaches, he can still remember his own. When he hears about temptation, now think of it, friends, how profound this is. Then we're not talking about a being that has went into heaven and you are so far away from him that he can't even relate to you. He don't know where you live. He knows nothing about you. That's not the way it is. It is so heavenly, it's so pure, it's so wonderful, it's so divine. But he is still our high priest, our great high priest. That is so much a human that when you relate to headaches, 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 backaches, financial problems, marriage problems. You mean the blessed son of God, our great high priest in heaven, hey, in heaven itself? still relates to divorce 
and relates to all kinds of things that are going on. How? By the prayers of his children. As they daily bombard heaven and come to him, oh God, you see our trouble. God, you see the riots that were in God. You see the diseases. God, you see the all this heaven constantly around the world. And when you're asleep and you're not praying, our brothers and sisters in Africa are. Our brothers and sisters in India. Our brothers and sisters in China around the world. Think of it. Around the world, 24 hours a day, members of the bride of Christ are bombarding heaven. What's what? Heavenly language? Great accolades of praise, evangelic tongue. We don't know none of that. But we bring our burdens, our troubles, our difficulties, our sorrows, our sadness, our heaviness right up into the throne room of God, the throne room that is filled with such great power and majestic preeminence of His great being. How can we be allowed to come before the throne of God about a headache? Because we have a high priest who still maintains his earthly identity. He's not a theophany. He's not an angel. So he's not a cherubim or a seraphim that cannot relate to such. Oh my, I don't know how you pray when you go to God. I don't go to God with the these and the thous and the, you know, the arts and so on and so forth. I just talk to God like he's my buddy, my friend. You understand what I'm saying? With respect and honor, of course. And I come to him and I just talk to him like I'm talking to you now, Lord. I'm going through this. And Lord, you see the needs of the people. And Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, oh God, please be mindful. Please be mindful. Whenever I, I we pray over our food, Carol and I, and we, you know, we, we mentioned the needs of the people. God, remember Sister Cynthia, remember Lord God, Brother Randy, remember this brother, this sister. God, please be mindful of them. And I'm talking to a heavenly being that is so surrounded by glory and honor and majesty. How in the world could I mention the word cancer? How could I mention the word chemo? And the presence of God in him ever relay, sitting there on that great majestic throne. Because the word is theirs with his humanity. And it doesn't offend Jesus when I say chemo. It doesn't offend him when I say, Lord, would you please help me pass this kidney stone, God? Please, Lord, help my brothers and sisters. God, this one's got this problem. This one's got anxiety. God, this one's got this. Lord, would you please? I am not ashamed to walk right up before the throne of God and mention earthly difficulties and earthly problems. You understand, friend? Don't you understand? It's the devil that wants to keep you from that to where that you will say, oh, I can't trouble him. I hate to trouble him with my little old, my little old problems and issues. Don't you understand why? We have needed an earthly high priest that has been glorified in the presence of God there for 2,000 years because the earth has been under such trouble. The earth has been under such anxiety and it's worse now than it's ever been before. Oh my, but I'm so glad right up to the very 
life's day before the rapture we will have a high priest that we can talk to him about headaches and backaches and toe aches and trouble sometimes when you really just don't have a whole lot of need but you just want to go and talk to him and just cry a little while or just spend a little bit of time of fellowship hallelujah and just be who you are just a common old Tennessean or Ohio or whatever you are and just speak to him amen but he's able to relate to you because the Bible says the common people heard him gladly well if the common people heard him then and related to him I believe I can relate to him right now we're not great people we're not tremendous people we're just common people but we have hallelujah a high priest that become one of us Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How in the world can one who has entered into eternity, now no doubt many politicians, whether they're on the local level or the state level or the national level, and they say, I want to be your representative in Nashville. Oh, I promise I'll represent you Carter Countyans and you Washington Countyans. I promise you when I get down there in Nashville, I'll represent you. And then, of course, after they become a career politician, (laughs) you know how that goes. I don't need to go into that. It's the same way when it moves into the Senate or into Congress. And then, you know what? You, me, whoever we are, we're very valuable in election year. I mean, we're worth our weight in gold. Any other time, you trash bag, get out of my face. They ain't got no time for you. Why, then they can be, oh, I'm from Carter County myself. Yes, sir, I'm from Carter County. I'll, uh, I can remember. I'll represent you all. This is a poor place and so on and so on. But many of them, they relocate from Carter County. And then they move down to Davidson County in Nashville, or they move, you know, to this side or that side, and then they have an air about them, and they go to hanging around a lots of different kind of folks in us Carter Countyans, don't they? And they're up dykes and up and ups and this and that and the other. And they no longer would feel at home. Oh, if you know them in Carter County and you bumped into them, you know, there at the Capitol in Nashville, they'd probably act like they didn't even know you because they wouldn't want others to see your old redneck ways and hear how you had to talk and so on and so forth. But you see, the Lord Jesus, when he left here 2,000 years ago, his attitude toward his constituents has remained the same. Hallelujah. Unlike men that when they get raised up, he's been raised so high that he has to look down to see heaven. Praise God. No man could ever be elevated to such a place and be able to maintain his love and his feeling for his constituents. So what does he tell us? He's telling us the same thing that he told the first ones that he represented after the shedding of the blood. I am your high priest. I am mindful of 
of you. And look, here we are today in 2020, 2,000 years later, and he's still anointing his men to tell his children, tell them I still love them. Tell them to bring all their heartaches. Tell them to cast all their cares on me because I care for them. I can still relate to their hits and their hate and their tote and their fetch and their pack. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed the way they pray. I'm not ashamed to hear them call upon me in the wee hours of the morning. I still love them. I still represent my constituents. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. For we have not on high priests which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So here we have sympathy that arises from the being of the Logos, which does not come from gnosis, which is knowledge. Oh, I know it because I'm God. I know you have problems because I'm God. But the word gnosis to the Greeks was simply knowing facts. But gnosis to a Jew was not only knowing facts, but experiencing those facts. So the Lord wanted to have this gnosis in this way that he not only knew what you were going to ask him before you did, but he wanted to feel your pain, your anxiety, your trouble, all that you deal with. So he had to share that feeling in order to become a real high priest, which would be touched by the feeling of our infirmities and be able to have real sympathy. So he was tempted in all points like as we are. Yet there was no sin now in his nature. Though he was encompassed with infirmities, the prophet said he was persecuted from the day he was born to the day he died. He was tempted more than all of us, any of us could ever go through in all of our life. Well, they didn't have television then, but they didn't have to. He covered the aspects of temptation, lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, the prize of life. It all comes through exactly the same way. Satan just makes different names and puts on it. But he went through more than any of us could ever go through because he stepped farther down. We were born lost. He was born holy. We were born in darkness. Is that right? So he actually, being tempted by Satan, allowed himself to feel it. And it becomes so personal that he carried that feeling. Now think of it, what we're being molded in today by our character. You'll not take your house with you in the rapture. What's your worst? It won't mean nothing. How much money you have in the bank, how many cars you have, how many homes you have, boats, whatever more, you won't take one thing with you. But there's one thing you will take with you, and that's your character. Now, your character being molded here in life will actually identify who you are in eternity. This is what the Lord Jesus took with him. His humanity was so great and so touched by other human beings. God simply took that and glorified it, made a body which would encompass that embodiment of that character, takes that body fills it with eternal life, makes it a high priest, and still allows the human part. Now notice, even in the resurrection, Brother Branham said he knows 
that we'll be looking around when we're raised at that day. And we'll be looking around wondering, did so-and-so make it? Did so-and-so make it? Did so-and-so make it? He said, so we will get together first with the rest of the group. Now, we're so much human in the new body that we'll be wondering, where's Dal? Where's Harry? Where's, where's sister so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Well, Brother Donnie, what, what will happen then for those that will make it? Well, here comes one of the great parts of the change about it to me is, all of a sudden, it'll be eradicated from your memory. How could you ever walk down streets of gold knowing your mother, your daddy, your brother, your sister's lost suffering somewhere in the regions of the lost? It'll be as if though they were never even part of your family. But those who have made it there with you will be so connected with you through eternity, it will be embedded, ingrained as it was in your humanity. That's why the prophet said those of you that lead people to the Lord Jesus, their name will be associated with you all through eternity. Now, I know folks don't like preachers and the message they don't like them. And you know, that's a tough lot because always preachers is always going to be there. Thank God there won't be no preaching. But leaders will always be identified as leaders. It's always the way it is. Whether you like it or whether you don't, it don't really matter. It's God's program. If we are identified together, if God gave me to be your pastor, we will be identified in eternity together. I won't be your pastor, no. But we will be identified in our group under the prophet messenger of this day. Oh, praise God, I'm going to go stand with Paul. No, you're not. You're going to be raised in your order. And your order is the Laodicean age. Praise be to God. Is that right? And we will raise together and be identified together. And Brother Branham said, I'll know you, my people. I'll know you, my people. He said, every now and then, I look beyond, I get to look beyond the curtain of time and I'll see you all over there. I've seen you this one, I've seen you that one, I've seen you that one. Why? Because you are identified with them through eternity. In your humanity, they are identified as part of the circle by which you were in the Word together on earth. Well, friends, I hate to tell you, but you ain't never going to get away from me. <laughs> Woo! Praise God. Y'all are stuck with me forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Well, I'm leaving here and going to Brother Tim Pruitt's, but if God gave you to be with me, you'll still be with me over there. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, my. Don't you love him? Amen. Now notice, though exalted to this high place in the heavens, still touched by this humanity, his position has not changed his nature. Nor has it changed his relationship to us with being identified with us as his brothers and also his wife. And he still, even though completely divine, he still identifies in the past of his humanity with our weaknesses. Instead of us coming to him with our weakness and he said, Larry, what in the world is the matter with you? I thought you was the son of God. What in the world is the matter with you? How come you come to me, Jim, with all these problems, these headaches and these, these problems? Don't you understand? I'm a glorified Jesus. I ain't got time for such stuff. No, that's not the high priest we have. Can you imagine? It's more than our minds can comprehend. I know. But for a divine being, being constantly surrounded by the praises of angels and adoration, great accolades of praise, and 
find yet a saint of God in the time of distress and trouble and they cry out in the midnight hours. Oh my, oh God, my baby's got a fever. Oh God, this pain, it's extreme. Oh God, please help me right there in the middle of all these praises of angels. And yet he allows his humanity to still be touched by the faintest cry from a child of God. I'm sure glad of that. Early Monday morning, about 1230 in the morning, Carol and I was calling out on this blessed Lord Jesus when I was in such pain. We was asking. We was pleading. I wasn't talking angelic talk. I was doing more of the O's and the ouch, and Carol was doing a whole lot of the praying. But I'm so glad. Isn't it strange that I didn't feel humiliated to talk about my trouble to the high and lofty one? To him which was surrounded by praises, and here I am. While most of y'all probably are asleep, and me and Carol are calling on the name of the Lord, I'm getting up and walking around and trying to get some relief and take a couple of Advil, and then able to go to sleep after a few hours and back up again and go again, and finally drive myself to the ER the next day. But you know what? Oh, I was not a bit ashamed. I wasn't embarrassed. My face did not flush red whenever I mentioned the word kidney stone to Jesus. Now I don't know if Jesus ever had one, but that don't matter. He understood. He understood my feeling. He understood my pain. He understood where I was. And I did not feel one bit backward. I did not hold back. <laughs> no, I was not. You know what I'm talking about. When you're in the hour of trouble, brother, sister, you call out on the name of the Lord, and I believe he helped me. That's right. And yet, how in the world would I bombard heaven? Would I interrupt all the praise of angels? You better believe I would. I was in desperate need. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is the wonderful thing about it. He wanted me to. He wanted me to call upon his name. He wants you to call upon his name. Oh, it's too late to call Brother Donnie. I know Brother Donnie's probably asleep. I'll tell you one thing. You can call Jesus. He's up all the time. So it don't matter what it's where you are, what time of the day is you can call on him 24 hours a day. You've got a hotline straight into heaven. Is that right? And all the praises of angels and all the glorification that he's receiving and his humanity still reminds him of pain and suffering and sorrow. And whenever you're crying, maybe the bands of angels are worshiping and praising. He said, hush, hush. My daughter is heartbroken. And the angels Right in the middle of praise. Because Jesus feels your cry. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. He felt thirst, weariness, anxiety. The Bible tells us that Jesus groaned in his spirit. Every kind of temptation that you can imagine, he felt it. And when he left this earth, in a glorified body.
that is not taken out of his humanity. I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. It's simply glorified in his body. It's simply glorified in his humanity. So he takes it to heaven with him. So he can hear millions of his children crying on his name all at one time. And be able to answer their prayers. Because he chose to become so low on the earth that he didn't have a place to lay his head. Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not place to lay his head. Had to borrow a womb to be born in, borrow a tomb to be buried in. But when he left this earth, he did not leave without an entire vault of wealth to help him be a great high priest. What was it? Human cries, human weakness, human empathy, that he could empathize with us. Heaven never had this before. Heaven never had this trove of treasures. God, by his omnipotence, could relate, yes. God, by his omnipotence and by his omnipresence, he knew what David went through, but God, by feeling, could not relate. But when Jesus stepped back into the throne room of God, now eternity had been affected by glorified humanity. And divinity had to make room for glorified humanity. Well, praise God, you might as well get used to that because that's what heaven's going to be. We ain't going to be angels, and we ain't going to be theophanies flying around. You know what you're going to be? A glorified human being. And you will be that forever. Eternal life in a human body. Think of it. What a life that will be, a continuation of this same life. But all the frailty, all, all the issues, all the problems... All that gone. Look, friend, this would be a wonderful life if it wasn't for sickness and trouble. If people wasn't fussing and fighting and arguing, would it not? That the earth, even under its cursed condition, is still a beautiful place. It's a wonderful place to live. How would be wonderful if everybody would just give up and we love one another, despite our color, our religion, or whatever more. Can you imagine what it will be when all of that will be gone from us and there'll never be an uprising? There'll never be anybody that'll ever be shot. Nobody that'll ever complain. All the grumblers will be somewhere else. There'll be no complainers there. There'll be none of that to deal with at all. And it won't be angels. It'll be a continuation of this same life. Eternal life in human bodies. Because God wanted to become a human. And all my life, I've wanted to be unbecome one. I'm realizing more and more all along, all along, I've been looking for the wrong thing. I've been looking to become something else than what God wanted me to be. But God wants me to become a submissive human. So that will lead me 
till glorified human. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just bow our heads, if you would? Lord Jesus, these things are wonderful. I, myself, have been so overwhelmed by looking at this and studying it. It's left me speechless, Lord. You know the times I spend with you in fellowship and in prayer and in studying. Sometimes I just have to push my computer back and I just, I just stare and I just think, Lord, how wonderful, how tremendous, and yet so simple. I can't say tonight, Lord God, that I fully understand it all. I'm grateful for what little bit I do understand, but just to be able to grasp a little bit tonight, Lord, of what I've heard you say, that you took your humanity, your character, you took your human experience to heaven with you in a glorified human body, for it was necessary to fulfill your office. Now I'm seeing it more clear. The mediatorial work that will come right on down through the Gentile age be consummated with a rapture. Then, Lord, as we go over into the millennium, still there will be folks that will be getting saved, the heathen and the different ones that never had the opportunity to hear, still be under the mediatorial work, under the aspect of the son of David. Then, Lord, we see how Paul said, then when the last enemy is subjected, then the Son will turn the kingdom over to the Father. So it is the Word turning the kingdom over to the great eternal. That God may be all in all. And the prophet said, Jesus will sit there on the throne of God. And the Father hang above Him, that great light. And the children of God will worship Him through eternity. And Jesus will sit there as our Joseph. And we know the representation of that was that it was Joseph that the people saw. They never saw Pharaoh, but they saw Joseph. So Joseph in Egypt was a representation of Pharaoh. So when they saw Joseph, they saw Pharaoh. So the human body that we will worship and glorify, the Lord Jesus and the Father, that great brilliant light that will hang above him in that new city where the Lamb is the light. And John said, I saw no temple thereof, for the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple of it. So the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple, not temples. So as the temple had aspects or courts of its glory, hallelujah, so the Lord God and the Lamb are the aspects of the glorious temple of the realm of his person. As you let the Shekinah, Shekinah as we call it, which was an attribute of your glory, appear to the children of Israel. And the glory came in the tabernacle so great the priests could not minister. Oh, they identified that as you and it was one of your attributes, but it was not fully you. 
Hallelujah. When Manoah and his wife saw the angel of the Lord, when the elders saw you in Exodus 24:10, you allowed yourself to be made manifest. But it was an attribute of yourself, Lord. Dear God, through eternity, there it will be. If it was just the spirit light that was all through eternity, us still left in our glorified humanity, there'd be a link that still we would not be attached to. But you wanted to attach yourself to us, so you made yourself a body. Let it be human, raise it up, set it on the throne, and that will be the way through eternity we will be identified. Praise God. So we will see one sitting on the throne that has eyes like ours, hair like ours, hands like ours, feet like ours. And we will see the Father, which will be that great light, which we are not light. We have eyes. The Father don't have eyes the way we do. So if it would have been that way through eternity, we would have still been disconnected. Oh, I see it, Lord, I see it. Jesus is the connection. Not only of my salvation, but of me through eternity. I still needed a connection. If I live to be 70 years old, 80, whatever more, what is that compared to eternity? Well, I needed a mediator, yes, between the divine and my humanity. But my greatest span by which I needed that thing to stand between me and the eternal is not whenever I was a mortal. But after I come into eternity myself, hallelujah, that I will not approach a vacant throne. I will not approach a throne with an invisible God or an invisible being or a light. I will approach a glorified human being that I can touch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord God. You wanted us. You wanted us to be able to relate to you. You wanted to relate to us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. We worship you. We bless your name tonight, Lord God, Elohim. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we just worship him a little bit, children? Those of you in your home or in your car, in your office, wherever you are, if you can, stop for just a few moments. and Let's just worship him there where you are. He's just as mindful of you there in your home as he is of us in the church building tonight. I know how I wish all of you could be here with us. But remember, he's there in your home with you. How many times have I heard in the last few months of streaming this way and different ones saying the presence of God right there in their home, the Holy Spirit coming down right there in their home. They pray, they sing, the prayer requests, they worship the Spirit of God moving young people having experiences with God in their home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He wants us to know he's mindful. He's mindful of us, friend, dealing with this virus. He's mindful of us. We're not ourselves tonight. This is not all Happy Valley. This is only a part of us. It don't feel right. We know that. It don't feel right on Saturday. It don't feel right on Sunday. 
It don't feel right for me. It don't feel right for you. We can't shake one another's hand. We can't hug one another's neck. It don't feel right. But he knows where we are. He knows where we are. He's going to bring us through this. I believe we'll be a better people closer to him when we come out on the other side. I think we'll appreciate handshakes and hugging one another's neck and appreciate all of us being able to come together in the house of God. Hallelujah. Oh, but until we do, take your troubles to him. Take your burdens to him. Hallelujah. He has not forgotten his constituency. He's not moved up into heaven as a politician would and would move far away into a great fine mansion and become so high and mighty that he no longer wants to be identified with where he was. Hallelujah. But he so took where he was with him that he glorified his humanity and his memory of being a human is there with him tonight. His memory of his headaches, his memory of his torture, his memory of his suffering. Oh my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So whenever he hears one of his children in the hour of despair calling on his name, he can still relate by feeling, not just by omniscience, not just by omnipotence, but by feeling, by experience. And his experience is so real that glorification of his human body did not take it out of him. But it sealed it in his humanity and he took his experience from earth to heaven. Praise be to God. Lord Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. Now it makes more sense to me, Lord, how the prophet would would say that when we gather around your throne that day that we'd say, Papa, I was lost and you found me. Papa, I was this and Papa, I was that. I always wondered about that, Lord. But Father, it makes more sense to me now. An element of our humanity. Oh, surely all of our problems and our difficulties and the things that got us down in life, no doubt a lot of that will be taken from us and totally removed from our memory. But there must be an element of us Praise God. That'll be taken there, Lord. Amen. So I want my humanity to serve you now. I want my hands to praise you. I want my voice to be lifted up in adoration to your name, oh God. I want that taken with me when I leave this world. Praise God. I worship you tonight, mighty God. I bless your name my holy high priest. Thank you, my great high priest of God, after the order of Melchizedek. So great, so highly, lifted up beyond what any mortal could ever venture into to imagine, into a sphere of glory. Our minds can't even comprehend it. But yet still having left in you this element of humanity, that you invite your children to bring their burdens no matter how heavy they are. You invite us to bring our sins, even as embarrassing as they might be for us to even mention them. Lord, the people may have done things that's so wrong, they're so ashamed of what they've done, they can't even hardly muster up the strength to even say it, Lord. But yet you love them so much, you allow this portion of heaven. Hallelujah. 
this portion of heaven through the mediatorial avenue that such words would be allowed to be uttered of our mistakes and our sins and our shortcomings. Hallelujah! And the wrath of God will not kill us. Oh, praise God, because we have a high priest that still has his glorified humanity. He is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Sing something for us. Harry, can we just worship him a little bit, saints? Don't you love him with all your heart? Aren't you glad you've got this kind of high priest in the presence of God? You are his constituency, the world that he represents you. He's faithful. He's true. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for you. Ever liveth. He has an ongoing existence. And part of his existence to be, I love the quote in the church age book, where he tells about he busied himself with the children of Israel. And he said his elect, referring to the elect and the chosen predestinated of God, they give him a reason and purpose of being. Praise God. A reason and purpose of being. Hallelujah. Let's just worship it a little before we go. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Lord God, I worship you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. How I love calling your name. Jesus, Jesus, my sweet Jesus, Jesus, every day, Lord, every day. your name is the same. I remember the times, Lord, I felt the pain when I needed you, Jesus. I had to call on your
It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Won't you love the Lord with all your heart? You love one another. God bless you. Let's remember each other in prayer, of course, while we're going through this uh, different, difficult time. I'm sure that you are. Pray for our brothers and sisters overseas as well. I'm getting emails um, uh, weekly from saints in India, different parts of Africa, and this situation has really hit them really, really hard. So remember them as well. That God would just be with them and help them. We believe in God to move for his people. Amen. We look beyond what the doctors say, epidemiologists and all them sort of things. I look into another report. And the Bible says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And the report there is, by his stripes we are healed. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. I think this weekend maybe we change the rotation of the alphabetical order so uh, I'll be saying different people look I know this is hard on you but this is so hard on me believe me I'm so used to preaching to people here and there and there and y'all are messing me up every time you come in here <laughs> it is really different it's really different now, I appreciate you being cooperative with the deacons deacon brother said you've been really really wonderful and I so appreciate it I know none of us like it I don't like it I'll be so glad when it's all over but we'll get through it and God will help us and Amen. God bless you. Love you so much. Brother Aaron. Love you in the Lord. Amen. Just appreciate the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. I trust those streaming and enjoyed the service as well. Let's just sing a little bit of this, this a little bit of this course and then the deacons can come dismiss everyone. Well my God is awesome. Yes, he's awesome, awesome, awesome. My God is awesome. He can move the mountains, keep me in the valley, hide me from the Oh 
Christmas Oh my God is awesome 